Hello and welcome to episode 109 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans' very celebratory podcast, and particularly celebratory this month. I'm your host, Alana Hayes, and I'm kicking off a whole month of celebrations for Final Fantasy. That's right, throughout the site, for the podcast, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of Final Fantasy all through the month of November in the lead up to its um, the first game's 30th birthday in December in Japan. I'm really, really excited because this episode is one of my favourite, favourite games of all time. It's probably, it's number two on my list. I don't know what it's, um, what position it takes on anybody else's list here. But people will remember that, I'm not sure, it was about a year ago, we did a poll on the site, on the podcast, just to see what our favourite Final Fantasy game was. And there was one winner on this poll and it makes the first of our four Final Fantasy anniversary episodes. And that is... Woo! Final Fantasy Nine, woo! Yeah, Yay. Woo. that's right. That song has just become haunting at this point. It's wonderful. Mm, my PS4. <laughs> for something good. Yeah, my PS4 at the moment. Every time it loads up, it plays that. I'm just like, ah, oh, stop! <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, we're all very excited to talk about this game. Oh, Iroha, that's her name. Well. <laughs> <laughs> still Final Fantasy related. I know good. who it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. We were discussing before the podcast started. Steph's working on something quite special. You may well have seen it by this point, by the time the podcast goes up. Uh, but yeah, she was trying to remember a name of a character, and she got it. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry, I interrupted. But anyways, yes. That's fine. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let me introduce you properly first, because I just kind of jumped around there. I am joined by someone who joined me on that podcast for the uh, greatest Final Fantasy game ever, Steph Sabidlow. Hi! <laughs> and joined by one of our newcomers who has just recently finished another playthrough of Final Fantasy IX for another feature for this uh, wonderful month, uh, Keegan Lee. Hello, hello. Hi! Good to be back. Yay! It's all of the returners from the GameCube episode. Oh, that was a good episode. Oh, yeah, hey, we did that one. I know. Yeah, we, we just pick good subjects to talk about. Like, we, yeah. no garbage. I think in real good. life we'd be okay, friends. We'd be okay. Yeah, I think so, too. This isn't real life. <laughs> Yay. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really excited to talk about Final Fantasy IX. As I opened up with, it's my second favorite video game of all time. It's for definite my favorite Final Fantasy game. And it it's stands my... up at two. Mm, it mm. really does stand up. It as seen by the PS4 remaster. I mean, that is fantastic. And I'm so glad that it's come out before we got to do this podcast. It means that, Keegan, I mean, I think you said it before, you've actually replayed the PS4 version, haven't you, for this feature that you're working on? Yep, it holds up perfectly, and some of the quality of life things that are added to the PS4 version just make it even so much better. Fast forward buttons are needed in every RPG. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think Chrono Cross is really ahead of the ball with that one. Oh yeah, it was. Um... I, I will say though, 
you can break the game at certain points with the fast forward button in nine. Oh god. Oh yeah, you can get Excalibur with it, right? Like it doesn't really count you it. Can, oh, you yeah. can get it so easily. Also, the festival of the hunt, uh, you'll go fast. The battles will go fast. The timer will still be the exact same timer. Yes. Oh, that feels like a fun oversight. Yeah. Like, that, that even after they're just like, ah, eh, you know what, leave it in. <laughs> I, I think so. Killed everything in the hunt, and I mean, I killed everything and still stood around for four minutes. Oh, brilliant! Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about that timer as well for um, when we go onto a specific topic because I read something about something quite similar to that where the timer doesn't speed up. But anyway, um, I want to ask everybody how they kind of first experienced Final Fantasy IX and what makes it so special. And then we're basically just going to gush praise all over it, most likely. I'd like to think so. Otherwise, the people might not be leaving this podcast alive. But <laughs> anyway, so um, Steph, since I know you were on the episode with me, I, what is your history with Final Fantasy IX and why do you think it deserves so much praise? And why do you think it's had this kind of renaissance recently? I don't know, sort of an awkward start, right? Because, like, I think they mm. released Final Fantasy VII to a lot of hype, FF8 to a little less hype, and then they released Final Fantasy IX just, like, less than a year later, and it's just kind of like... It, like, a lot of people didn't really know how to feel about it since 8 showed a lot more newer stuff and 7 was a good direction, so 9 taking it back was just kind of awkward. Uh, but I remember I kept playing it, and I just kept liking it. And then um, when I got a bit older, I thought I understood it better. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it was a slow love, but it burns hard like mm. fire too. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way of putting it. Yeah, I Final Fantasy IX came at a really weird time where I probably referred to it before that there was a period of RPGs that wanted to be a bit quote unquote grittier and then there's this kind of I can't remember the specific American release date, but there was a day in two thousand where Final Fantasy IX and another RPG came out and they're both like, oh yay, these two are really special to me and they both really kind of have this positive bright atmosphere that kind of uh, contradicts those older grittier RPGs and it's it's a really good balance. Nine has a good balance and I think people initially took the cutesy as not good, which is totally yeah. wrong because actually yeah. it's one of the more serious and darker Final Fantasies when you get to the bottom of it, which I think we're going to get to, and definitely something I want to talk about. Um, I think uh, Cutesy was kind of really looked down upon, like, during the mid and early 2000s. Like, if you remember, going a little off topic, uh, Wind Waker's release, how many oh, yeah. people yeah. really put that down just because of the graphics? Yeah. And yet, Wind Waker still holds up to this day if you play it on the GameCube. It does, even this time. It really of... kind of uh, delivered well on it, though, because it let them be a lot more goofier, and the ATs are something I think are still sorely missed by the series. We're doing something like it. Yeah. Uh, it was just fun goofing around in that game. That's what I really liked. Yeah, so like the... There's only... a few times you're just given, like, leeway to just go walk around and talk and explore, and I like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, you don't see it enough. Like, the other series that really do similar things as Star Ocean that does private actions and Tales which does skits and even then I feel like nines are quite different because they are 3D and they take you away from certain characters and they they're, they're quite light as well there's not many of them that mm -hmm. are that serious which they just take you away from the action a little bit and I think yeah I do miss them you don't ever get them anymore and it's like I don't know like not many games have taken many things from Final Fantasy IX in the series since, but... I also feel like a main, like a Mothership title really won't go in that direction again. No, exactly. I, especially... They'll leave it to a spin-off and just do like a World of Final Fantasy thing with it. Mm, yeah. I think 
the direction that 13 and 15 have gone in have probably proved that but <laughs> yeah not necessarily in a bad way um, no 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 14 still likes to goof around I've noticed yeah 14 does goof around a lot definite um, so uh, Keegan what's your history with 9 and kind of the same questions I posed to Steph so uh, 9 was actually my first Final Fantasy that I got to play um, I really wasn't aware much of the series before so like a friend in elementary school I think yeah I was around elementary school had introduced it to me and was like, oh, wow, this game's cool. You get to fight monsters with swords. Like, this is my first experience <laughs> with this. This is great. Swords are cool, man. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it's definitely always, like, stayed something personal in my heart. And it's even helped me make connections with friends later in life. Like, hmm. being like, oh, you played Final Fantasy IX also? You can never find that. It's like, oh, yeah, this character, this character, this story event. Everyone's dying. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but like I like that it actually does go back though, you know, because I don't know, Final Fantasy seven and eight kind of took themselves quite seriously, so it's kind of nice they really went back, you know, yeah. they they did away with technology completely and just made something a lot more simpler and a bit more kind of true to how the old school series looked like, but they made it look so much better, like it looks so full. Oh and yeah, the entire Mist continent is just a blast to explore because it's so teeming with weird NPCs and you know, kind of <laughs> cool secrets everywhere. Yeah. It's a really, really glorious overworld. Um, but yeah, no, it's... I don't know if I've said it yet, but it was also my first Final Fantasy to uh, play. Um, I've watched... Probably said this as well on the podcast. I've watched my mum and my brother play through 7 and 8 and also watched my mum play through 9. Um, <laughs> 9 was the first one that I got to play. It was after I'd started playing RPGs and she went, oh, you should try this one and this one. And 9 was in the pile. And so I thought, oh, I recognise Final Fantasy. I'll give it a go. And obviously since then... It's kind of history, really. Nine has been one of the most important video games in my life, probably. Um, just because, I don't know, it's just, I've had this really weird connection with it. And I think it taught me a lot of things. Like, it was the first, I grew up playing Pokemon and played Dark Cloud and a lot of these RPGs that didn't really have any morals or story. And Nine was <laughs> one of the ones that had the kind of connecting thread of teaching you something and... I'm doing a separate feature on the site that goes with this, which we'll touch on that, and about life and death. Um, and so it kind of taught me about that, and in particular with one character, but all of them, they're all searching for some kind of purpose or anything. But so you've been playing Final Fantasy since, like, the like one of the first games right so i kind of go with like how the mainstream kind of felt at the time where it was just kind of like a bit of a slow burn at first yeah. but you guys kind of came into it first and you just loved it more I, that said i still love it i still pretty sure i ranked it as my number one favorite mm. you know but i think oh, yeah. it's interesting that yeah we all have a kind of different story going going on on it yeah that's what makes it really good um but yeah i don't know where do you think do you know why maybe that it might have caused like because you've played obviously more of the original ones before that um did that really affect your opinion think or because i know like a lot of people say said at the time like oh it's not as good as seven or something like that but i don't know Maybe. yeah i don't really know it either like i said i just think it took you know i, I needed some time for some of the kind of deeper morals inside of it to kind of sink in a bit better um and i don't really have a good answer really <laughs> but i did always know it was yeah, no, I just knew it was something special. And, like, as I got older, I kind of realized a few more of what it was trying to say or even some of the cameos. Like, yeah. uh, your first your first four-person party in the game is exact same as Final Fantasy 1's, right? It's a knight, <laughs> yeah, it a black mage, a white mage, and a thief. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, it's sort of the little things like that or, you know, just when you're reading the characters and you're kind of getting a better sense of, you know, their story, you just kind of grow to love it a bit more. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I just didn't really think I was a good critical judge of video games back when I was 12. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> no. Um, so then. Um, so obviously Final Fantasy IX is very special to everybody. And I've briefly touched on it with certain characters making certain points very meaningful, very important to the game. Very important series-wide and iconic beyond that. So I want to start off with the characters because... I think the cast is fairly good overall. I mean, I don't want to nitpick too much because I want to celebrate this game, but there are a couple of quibbles that maybe I have. Um, but I think I will start with Keegan this time. Um, so who, do you have a favourite character or is there anything that particularly stands out about this cast to you? I do have a favourite character and it's... <laughs> Every time I talk to a Final Fantasy IX fan, I never seem to have the same favourite character, but I love Steiner. Yes! Oh, yes! My... Okay, so... <laughs> You're in I, good company. I really connect with uh, Steiner's arc throughout the entire story where he bases his entire worthiness and everything about himself on his service to the queen. And of course, when you meet the Knights of Pluto, which he commands, and kind of how like every other male leader is seen in Alexandria as kind of, you know, they're not that great. <laughs> the more comedy relief. Yeah, yeah. they're definitely. Yeah, all the women in the kingdom seem to be on top of things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Just refreshing, in my opinion. But, like, just. Um... There's cookie crumbs in the pocket. Yeah. yeah. Oglops. <laughs> they're all scared of oglops. Yeah, they're all scared of oglops. Uh, I like the two that kind of run in when they're, they've been uh, de armored. You know, they're just in their little, <laughs> yeah. little pants. Yeah, do they have little <laughs> hearts insane. on them as well? They got, you know, Steiner who's just kind of clunking around and making that stupid, awful noise, you know, running around the palace. Yeah, listening to him is horrible. <laughs> it's it's just it's too a, funny. It's endearing. It actually it's uses nice. physical comedy and I think Steiner is one of the reasons I like this. For a PlayStation title without really impressive graphical capabilities, they do some really awesome physical comedy with him. Mm, yes, they, really they do. do. And you know. I actually think that translates really well to just having witty dialogue, like I know a lot of games try to do. Uh, but yeah, I always found his physical comedy just translates really, really well. Yeah, like one of the first FMVs, uh, when Zidane is trying to, you know, capture Garnet, we see him flying through the air and then immediately yeah. smack into the side of a castle. Like, I like how serious he looks for a split second before yes. he realizes yes. something's gone wrong. <laughs> he's but like, I even, got this. Even <laughs> though he's definitely one of the uh, comedic reliefs in this game. I think his change once he realizes um, Queen Bronze intentions and having to choose between protecting the princess and following his duty, I think it's like a real. That's like, holy cow, it's so dividing for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, like he goes through a lot. It's a pretty heavy emotional arc. And I'm happy that it's still just a little bit silly when he professes his love to Beatrix in a way. Yes. As he's kind of realizing it. Like he's still a goofball. Like, you know, I won't let anyone hurt you, Beatrix. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just goofy. And she's still kind of serious and formal and graceful. But then the fights in Alexandria when it's just him and Beatrix. Oh, so... And he's like, I gotta tell you something. She's like, save it. You go into battle. He goes into trance. It's like, oh! Yeah! Oh. <laughs> so good. <laughs> he, he hits a Super Saiyan moment of the, of the yes, episode. Yes, Super Saiyan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite parts with him too is like during the play when um, uh, him, Zidane, and Garnet are kind of thrown up on the stage, or should I say Zidane to respect Alana? Um, it's French. It's a French name. Well, I still say Tidus, so that makes me feel better. <laughs> uh, 
um, is like when they're all put up on the platform and Steiner thinks everything that's happening on stage is real and it's kind of just starstruck by what's happening. And they pretend to stab Garnet just as part of like a show will go <laughs> on. And, and Steiner thinks it's real and he's losing his mind. It's so good. He's just crying there for about two minutes and then she gets up and he's like, what's going like, on? You died. Like, <laughs> oh, oh my God. He's so unselfish. Um, yeah. <laughs> dumb choice to pick because he is largely comic relief but I think he's a really good choice for this in terms of what they were trying to do with him I think they succeeded mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a great subversion on the knight because the knight has the stoic kind of yeah. silent brave uh, it, it did take a few replays for me to really like Garnet but I do like how you know conflicted and same with her she goes through a pretty good arc of like talking regal yeah. even like the small things talking mm-hmm. regal to oh. kind of Taking yeah. it back a bit, she yeah. has to act stupider, or not stupider, but talk less formal. Yeah, I like the bit where this is kind of jumping ahead now. Um, where um, Zidane tells Vivi to say, "Get off me, you scumbag," and then she does it with a delayed yeah. reaction later on. And it's like, yeah, she just—it's very cute to watch her kind of try and blend in. Um, but I, I also like Kina for just being Kina, being yeah. simple. Yeah, yeah. And really taking what she wants in life and taking no other no yep. other issues with it. Yep, she can't eat it, or it can't eat it, sorry. Um, if it can't eat it, then it's not worth it, really. I mean, yeah, yeah Kina's kind of... There's no character more true to themselves than Kina, and I think that's almost inspirational. Yeah. There's two um, things in the world, things you can eat and things you can't eat. That's the and that's quality. my life motto. Yep, very good. <laughs> and I think they actually kind of helped out a character who, I think it was Vivi, who was just kind of down and blue at the time, and it yeah. just kind of helps him put his head on straight and stop doting on things. Yeah. It's silly, but it totally worked. I like the bit, I think it's in, it must be in Alexandria Castle, and you're wandering around as Steiner, and you or Zidane or somebody and you go into the kitchen by accident and he's in it's in there and it's like oh I can't smell any food or anything and you're just like what is this and then later on you get it as a party member and you're like what on earth but Quina is <laughs> Kina sorry is very very useful um and we'll go oh on oh my goodness yes yeah very oh, yeah. useful um but Steiner I think it's yeah. cool that you can pick when you want to when you want to take her on though yeah definitely I always take him I always take yeah. it, he she on uh, the first time you can get him, so after. I love the game doesn't really specify what gender it is. It's like uh, S <laughs> slash H E. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I always like <laughs> she. He, I always go she to balance out the party, and then I'm always like. Yeah, I go Shahi sometimes. Shahi. Yeah. Shahi's good. Right, we'll do Shahi. Um, <laughs> but no, Kina is great. Um, <laughs> A little off topic, but I do miss Final Fantasy VII's cursing. I always thought that was really funny. Oh yeah, I mean they better are... bring her back. Yeah, because so, it used it only for the characters who would really probably sit, talk like that in real life. <laughs> would talk with their bad that. words in real life. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, one of the Moogles does swear. So when you, it's the one in the ice cave, isn't <laughs> it? When you bastard. burn it out and she goes, "You bastards!" and it's like. <laughs> I was gonna say, to be fair, we did set that little powder puff on fire. So we did, yeah. yeah. But we oh. saved them. We did. Oh, have you? Did you ever do? Like, there's so many little Easter eggs in this game too. But did you ever piss off the uh, the save Moogle on the field? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, many times. So for those not in the know, if you keep calling the Moogle without actually saving, it actually starts getting a little upset and threatens to delete your save file. It doesn't. It doesn't go through on it. But <laughs> it's actually it's a trophy in the PS4 version. If you oh. piss off the Moogle enough times, you get a trophy. Do you? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> being rewarded for these things. <laughs> Um, like, uh, what was it? I think uh, 
Freya is really good as like a straight character, and even Amaranth, who I know a lot of people ask why is he there, but I think he's good as a straight character to kind of contextualize yeah. the weirdness of the party. Yeah, I think Amaranth is definitely my least favorite of the party just because of his general lack of involvement, but he does kind of act as Zidane's opposite. It's fine. Yeah, yeah like he's, he's still a pretty ex- high bar for characters I don't, for an overall character I don't like. Like exactly. something in bad characters, I think Star Ocean 4. And how there's ah. nobody I really like, ah. only characters I like dislike the least. Uh, yes, that's, a, that's an entirely different episode. I could spend all you know, day worrying like, about that cast. I like Amaranth the least, but it's I still like him. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, we I mean you said Freya as well. Freya is, I'd say and, my and favorite. There's still that nice bit where he doesn't do a victory pose until you have that kind of one-off chat with him. Yeah. In the yes. I do like that. That's a long time as well. That's like a whole disc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he does not. He is very slow to warm up. Yeah, I really, really like Freya. She's probably one of my favorite female characters in the whole series. I mean, that's just because I'm biased and really, really like female dragoons and female lance yeah. users. But she has. I really such a... love that the Final Fantasy series loves doing that female dragoon yeah. as much as they do the male too. Yeah, but she they has really a... put up for grabs on both of them. <laughs> she has such a cool design, so she's yeah. rap, mm-hmm. and I'm just. I'm really envious. I love, too. I love when they have different raced characters in games, too. Mm. Like, Breath of Fire made the most work out of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think it's really cool when you do get to kind of control something of a completely different shape on screen. No, that's a good way of saying it. I like that. But um, Freya, she loses her importance in the second half of the game, which always makes me a little bit sad. But I do like her story for the end of disc one and the end of disc one is probably my favorite part in the entire game where you're going through Burmesia and it's raining and you're saving all the children and you're seeing her crack slowly yeah like you see her crack and like there's that bit where you fight Beatrix for the first time and the first time I played it I didn't know you had you had to get her down to a certain percentage of health I was like oh I've died I probably have to no no I think yeah. <laughs> no I'm dead um but uh yeah that entire cutscene especially the end bit where Kuja pops up and he flies off on the dragoon and then the rain is falling over Freya and just sticks in my head so vibrantly because I don't know she's a really she's a really really tragic character and she never really gets she kind of accepts fate in the end because obviously she's chasing uh, after her boyfriend but I love that she starts again despite that right like not everybody had the happiest ending but it's fine you yeah. can still go on exactly she did get to start again with him which was good um but even though he doesn't remember he falls in love with her again i know true love wins it's so cute yeah i really really like fro i've got a soft spot for her (laughs) that's a plot of one of his movies right i think so (laughs) probably (laughs) so we just we just connected channing tatum with final fantasy now five degrees of final fantasy nine (laughs) <laughs> oh so um we have yeah wow that was it except she was all weird and she was like eh, i don't know if i want to be with channing tatum it's like no i want to be with mr Pratley. he sounds like a stand-up dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think the other really tragic unsolved like uh, i don't know there's a few plot elements in the game's undercooked and i thought puck being like some sort of renegade prince was odd yeah never but... talked about again i know does he like do oh the- it's the prince. Hey, it's like I, I gotta go. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Oh yeah, he 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 pops up like at the beginning, and then he just pops up again in Clara, I think. And then yes. you see him one more time, I think, and then that's kind of it. And you're just, just like you, your prince, your prince of nowhere. 
anymore, which well, is sad. So I think he's just kind of taking advantage of the situation and running off before it gets worse. I think so as well. Or it's um, got to hard work. Yeah. There's um, something I just realized that doesn't that... make sense to me about the game. So in the game, Freya's been searching for her lover, Sir Fratley, for years. I'm mm -hmm. correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how does this five-year-old child manage to find him when this trained soldier <laughs> who's been searching and knows this man better than anybody else could not find him? I just realized that. that it's like the same of, stroke of luck that let him meet Vivi that eventually led him to the party that is crashing yeah, uh, the <laughs> theater. I do love that actually. That whole opening sequence is like a how everybody got to the party thing. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> you know how? Yeah, because they all got there by some strange, extenuating circumstances, and it's really cool to follow up. Of all of the Final Fantasies, I think that one has the coolest intro to this day. Definitely, it's still largely interactive, and it's a really cool way to bring in like the entire cast. Yeah, it's nice that you get to play as everyone as well. Like you never get that. Maybe not well, the only person you don't get to play as is Garnet, but um, you do Which get. Which reminds me, we haven't talked about uh, Vivi at all. No, Vivi. Um, I don't want to cry on a recording. <laughs> I think Vivi is... I think a lot of people got a soft spot for Vivi. Like, even if you're a tough person or not, it's like, God damn it, Vivi. There's just something so likable about him. Like, the first time you see him, he trips over and you just think, oh. And then that's the, kind uh, of yeah, it. Yeah, the, he trips and the sign maker loses his focus and the sign falls. It, like, I love the little details in the opening yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, where a guy comes down from a sign to berate you, and then you see them kind of, you know, flopping around with a ladder. Like, it's just a well-animated game, and I think the fact these mm. characters are so weird and cartoony really helps with the fact that it's a well-animated game. Yeah. Um, I think Watching Freya do a river dance was awesome, too. Oh, yeah. yeah that's so cool. <laughs> I love that piece of music. Um, But Vivi is probably a... I, yeah, he's endearing and literally he's so iconic because everyone's like, oh, it's a black mage, it's Vivi. Um, people kind of interchange the two of them now. So, <laughs> But um, Vivi is really, I think, the reason why people mistake this game as kiddie and it's not because you imagine being nine years old as Vivi is and then coming across something that's an exact, not an exact copy of you, but to find out that you're essentially part of a series of dolls that don't have any particular purpose other than to kill. And then he's but just, you're the best dressed one. You're all the best dressed one. <laughs> and his hat goes pointy when he goes into trance as well. And it's so oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, it's this trance outfit. It looks so magnanimous. Yeah, he's trying to be magnanimous and he's just tiny. He just needs a little stool and then he's like <laughs> perfect. But um, Vivi has... It's great when you see him actually get mad though, right? Because like oh, you know, him yeah. and his people kind yes. of have a lot of time and Those... a lot to prove in a short amount of time. Yeah, we keep referring to all these FMV cutscenes. So we should say probably the FMV cutscenes in this game are insane insanely good like all of them are so dramatic and so no, you know perfect. what it is it's the final fantasy games that did not have any voice acting to work with and very lo little amount of disc space made the most out of those fmvs yeah really they were concise and they were beautiful it was so good um yeah the bit on the uh cargo ship on the way to Lindblom where you fight the black world three and he goes absolutely bananas it's amazing that's so cool it's just the one but then you have black he's... mages defending him too like where they're oh, kind, of, kind of sentient <sighs> you know that's... they defend him and you know he just sees them kind of getting killed in front of his eyes by another one of his brethren and he just mm. wants to know why are people treating them this way yeah and it I... is pretty dramatic yeah like, Young or not, you know, you kind of get what he's feeling. Mm. I like when you get to the Black Mage Village eventually in Disc 2. Uh, it's kind of his awakening moment. And I really love that little... Love for how silly that village is. They do put a moment of silence in the cemetery too. Yeah. Oh, God. When you talk to the 
Black Mage up there about their friends just stopping. Oh, it's yeah. That's, they just stop. Ah! No, so horrible, isn't it? It's a euphemism, oh, but it's so awful. It's there. There's not when they... oh, sorry, I'm like, getting emotional he over here. A very full life. He gets he gets married to Kina. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he meets somebody else, maybe his age. Yeah. The best part about that is how genuine, genuinely happy Kina is the entire time. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> Me too. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah vv probably has one of the stronger the probably the strongest character arc in the game um but mm-hmm. the other we've not spoken about the other white mage of the group Iko, who i have a nice soft spot for she's like one of the nicer bra- like child characters in rpgs i think and oh, yeah. she's my oh, white yeah. she's always my white mage of choice because she has hope yes she was a better white mage. To, I'm sorry, everybody. She is a better white mage. She's the better no, white like, mage. Statistically, she is. She has so many more actual healing spells. Well, she gets. Yeah. While Garnet has more summons. Yeah, like, she gets double white, whereas um, Garnet gets. Um, what is it? Um, special summon, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's like the enhanced summon. strength for the Adolins. That's right, yeah. Um, um, yeah. One I think... thing I like is Aiko comes before a period of, like, you know, kind of very bratty trope of, of child characters she really does. hitting hard. Yeah. So she's a bit bratty, but she's still pretty realistic. And she's, mm. like, kind of a really silly young girl in love with, the, like, the older brother kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's justified as well because she does go through so much awful. Like, I feel like a lot of little kids have that moment where they're totally crushing on somebody, like, you know, in <laughs> high school, and it's innocent, completely innocent, you know, but... Yeah. Um, you but... know, but she's still really cute and being kind of like a new little sister to Garnet, so I think she strikes a really nice balance between being bratty and still being very sisterly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really love her relationship with Garnet. It's, like you said, the little sister, big sister thing, and I really like the kind of bond that they build throughout the game which culminates in them summoning alexander and i'm just oh, losing my same. but yeah she's uh, definitely one of the uh she's definitely the, probably the best child character i can't think of any better that's I been her, yeah she's adorable and as i said my white mage of choice at all times um she's also she's responsible really silly too like I, I like when she's talking to some of the weirdos on terra and she's like was that you with your man she's like my man yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's not like that. Yeah, she doesn't understand. Um, she also ends up accidentally hooking Beatrix and Steiner up, yeah. which is great. I love the love. Responsible for their relationship. She definitely is, but she's pretty happy about it as well. Like she wants it for the intended purpose, like to for Zidane, but then it ends up getting those two together and she's still pretty happy with it which is really nice so she's not like some of the best moments in the series are totally those that don't contribute a damn thing to the plot but man <laughs> i love that so much Me and too. like i even love when you know beatrix and, and steiner are coming close together and about to maybe do something you hear uh what's his name like baku by the way being like the best kind of like mentor dude yes for the love- short screen time he has. All of Tantalus, I love them. They're such a oh. cool kind of in and out group. They're really good. And you always, you get to form a really quick bond with all of Tantalus because of what happens and to Blanche. And they kind of come in and out of the story too. Yeah, mm. I like that. I thought they were just going to get forgotten about, but I really like that Marcus came in for the part of disc one where it's just Dagger and Steiner. And then you've got obviously Blank who gets revived and then you go back and see yeah. Sinner. Or and, and like Blank and everybody helps out later and like even though Zidane decided to leave the band I mean it's clear they're all still like blood brothers yeah mm. definitely I mean they yeah. are his family um, yeah. 
we didn't talk which i think is an important message right and they kind of beat that Mm -hmm. down with the zidane's arc is that it doesn't really matter you know where your home is it's nice that you know but it doesn't always matter yeah definitely um so i know you brought up gone earlier uh do we want to talk about her a little bit because i think she like you said the first time i played nine i don't think i really clicked with her but i think it's because i was going through an age phase where i was like I don't want to like women who heal. I want to like women who do cool things. But now I'm just like, I want to like... But you realize it's actually not that bad. And she is still tough for a healer. You know, like she's got a lot on her plate. Yeah, she's a Mm. really good character. Um, There is one thing that annoys me about her. And that's when you get her back and she loses her voice. And it's the most painful thing ever because... The fact that it translates really strictly to a gameplay thing really is annoying. I get it, and I think it's a great arc for her because she does witness, like, destruction of everywhere she goes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And only to be the next queen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, time um... to clean this mess up. Yeah, I mean, she also has um, one of the most iconic scenes in the game for me, where she's standing at the altar and she cuts her hair off, and obviously yeah, you know yeah. what that means traditionally, but mm. I really sticks with me that she I, goes I feel through. It's a very t- Japanese thing. You cut your hair after something important happens. Yeah, it's a new you. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I but, liked her long hair better. <laughs> oh, I like her short hair. <laughs> I, think yeah. I just didn't like the way it was rendered in the game, where it's just like a very straight cut. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. Really dorky. It doesn't translate very well. She grows it back. It's fine. <laughs> fine. Uh, so. uh, but yeah, it did take a while for me to kind of get her thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, and also, too, we just got to say it. Uh, eight, the two Final Fantasies kind of uh, book ending this one, eight and ten, have a relationship factor that does not come anywhere close to what Zidane oh, and Garnet have. No, Zidane, Zidane and Garnet are It was so perfect in the other two. It's so well done. It's just... It's perfect. They're I, so cute. <laughs> I use I use endearing a lot in this podcast, but it is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's just... It's, I use charming a lot. It, it, this game just charms the pants off me. Yeah, so I really love... I'm just sitting there pantsless and so happy for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I just really love the way that Zidane is clearly infatuated with her. I keep swapping between the two pronunciations because I want to make sure I cater for all audiences. Um, but um, yeah, he... my boyfriend's really into football, so like whenever he sees it, it's like, oh Zidane. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, their relationship is perfect because Zidane is clearly infatuated with her. He's like, oh, pretty woman. She doesn't know if it's anything. She thinks he's just a flirt, and he is. Yeah, and yeah. he is. But at the end of the day, the like, yeah, she picks up on the signs and realizes how much good he's done and how much he's supported her. And he's not just a flirt. Like, he tends to... He he's gets... actually giving her solid advice. Yeah, he gives her advice, and he also adapts. He's and... smart. She's, you know, way too much up the blue, you know, with a silver spoon. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But, um... um yeah. What was it? One thing I like too is like uh, there's two times where like everybody kind of splits off and Zidane goes to the same bar in uh, in in Lindblom. Yeah. And uh, the first time you see it is right after Garnet leaves when you get her to to the city and he's flirting with some waitress. Yeah. Uh, but the second time you see him is after like a whole bunch of heavy game events go down and Garnet sees a lot and he's actually kind of sad that he can't really be there to kind of help her out and see how yes. she's doing. Yeah. He's actually beating himself up a bit and by that point it's like kind of real yeah. you know like like even the tandles gang are like hey so how's it going <laughs> like he's not really talking he's like hey did garnet dump him he's just not yeah. saying anything it's just kind of sad yeah, yeah and that's a... when they release some steam at treno which is just another great 
we did nothing this episode kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good bookend moment. Um, so I guess the Don, the Dane, whatever, whatever country yeah. you live in. Um, I guess we should talk about him because, well, I mean, I want to talk about him because he is probably, again, in my list of protagonists, he probably comes out on top for the whole of the series for... He's definitely mm-hmm. he goes through a massive character arc, and I think I mean it mirrors the um, the Kane and not Kane uh, Cecil and Golbez slash Theodore arc in four, but um, I really Zidane is such a yeah, breath of fresh air. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's a little bit like Locke in the sense that he's just like yeah I do I'm a chivalrous man I do things all pretty ladies kind of thing. But yeah. He really yeah, he's your sh- typical thief, right? Yeah, but he, he is the worst thief, by the way. Just he, the- he, <laughs> we will get onto that. That's one nitpick I have. Um, but um, yeah, um, he is really, really fantastic. He's a breath of fresh air for the series after Smoky Squall and uh, Cloud's kind of mental crisis kind of thing that he goes through. He's just absolutely in. Well, Mental Crisis was very real and like an actual breakdown. Um, You know, and I like that Zidane's is more of a kind of growing up trauma. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like his is fair too. His is fair. That scene Uh, is another one of my favorite ones in uh, Terror. Just the whole line of, we're like, it's not a boss gauntlet, but it's like a high enemy gauntlet, high level enemy gauntlet kind of thing where you have to fight an Abaddon and a worm and dragon and something else and you're just like really and all your characters all the party members come up and tell him like no you need to get a hold of yourself and he just pushes them away but he's yes. slowly coming towards like some kind of resolution and then garnet comes along and says something like that he would say and it's the moment where you're just like that's it I got it they're there it's there and zadan is very much needed in the plot he's kind of both the breath of like the lightness but also he does get some really serious kind of chances and for a lot of the game he kind of acts a little bit like he's not necessarily the main character like a lot of stuff's happening around him and he just happens to be in part yeah fall it. into it yeah, yeah. yeah. i think but, the fact that he's so nonchalant at first makes him being dramatic even that much more serious right oh yeah yeah definitely but yeah this is something he's really really feeling having hard feelings about right yeah i think so you know tell everyone you're you're not alone sim and tells him to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the terror rock's kind of where he kicks off. But um yeah, I mean the only thing like obviously the love story's not promoted in the game, but I think that's probably one of the biggest plot points in Final Fantasy Nine. Um but yeah, Zadon is it's a, better when it's not based off that kind of love at first sight thing where it's like Yeah, yeah it took time. Yeah, I mean it's a classic like boy meets girl, boy loves girl, but girl is like I don't really get it, kind of thing. Even that stupid story he tells Garnet in the little under cave ravine thing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, like I just wanted to go with you, and then that just like completely was a pants drop, panties dropping moment <laughs> <laughs> as they drift out of the canal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, I-, I put my own words. I'm sorry. That's fine. You're allowed to do that. I can see where you're coming from. Uh, Yeah, I think Nina's got a really fantastic cast of characters, and I think we've mentioned a couple of the side ones. Beatrix Mm. is probably my favourite side character. She is so cool. She also has the best piece of music in this game. Oh, yes. Rose's May is so good. So beautiful. It Um, pissed me off in theatre rhythm, but it is a really good song. 
Is it? Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the side characters are really good. We'll probably touch on some of them as we go along. Um, but I really, since we've been dipping quite a lot into the story, I think maybe I want to elaborate on some other things, maybe. But I think Nine's story is, I keep repeating myself throughout this podcast, is again one of the best ones in the series because it just it takes so many little nods from other games but also manages to make its own kind of uniqueness like the comedy aspect of things makes it its own little thing so i referred to the plot point where zidane and kuja are brothers so it's mirroring cecil and theodore um but obviously kuja never gets his kind of comeuppance in that he doesn't really realize what he's doing is wrong um but the black mages make up a really good chunk of the story and how you know, just as much as we can talk about characters, I feel like I can talk about places just as much too. Like yeah. I know we went off about the Black Mage Village, but also uh, Conde Petit is just so oh, weird and yeah. fun. <laughs> it's a really nice break in the story. It's just like, is it Rally Ho? Is that what they Rally-ho. say? Rally Ho! Um, yeah, I really love that village. Um, uh, it's a like nice... Even the dungeons are so pretty and just interesting. Like There's an upside down castle, for goodness sakes. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, uh, like even some of like what Terra does, where it's this kind of sci-fi alien world, but still kind of fantasy looking, it's is a really beautiful. weird and interesting balance for that place. It's beautiful. Uh, it's yeah, uh, it's one of the most gorgeous places. Pre-rendered backdrop, soup blue. That's oh, the I thing about. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do really like because say you say Conde de PT, um, it really breaks up the story because that is one of the sillier moments in the game and we've already referred to it but they say the only way you can get past this village is if you get married and so we've already <laughs> talked about Vivi and Kina's but then Zidane's like oh Garnet will you marry me and she's just like yeah sure and she's like he's like oh wow okay he's like I didn't realise it'd be that easy this is marriage dagger this is both of their character like it makes sense for both of them where he's like oh my god yes and she's like we gotta do this we gotta get going we're on a mission (laughs) the entire time his internal monologue that you see in the thought bubbles is just him being like oh man like i didn't know this would happen (laughs) he goes in for the kiss at the end and she just straight jukes him yeah just bye (laughs) um um there are some villages as well that don't get as much spotlight so I think this is again partly to do with the music why I remember it so well um Esther Gaza which is at the bottom of Mount Galag um is a really pretty icy city um but it's kind of home to it, nothing really happens there there's loads of priests there and everything but I really like Mount Galag as a dungeon because obviously it refers back to Final Fantasy 1's Mount Galag or Galag I'm glad they brought the music back too which yeah. is just a nice shot perfect um but um yeah, it really foreshadows the bit with Iko where I think it's Zorn and Thorn have captured her and taken her to the bottom. Um, there are just so many moments in Final Fantasy IX that stand out that it's really hard to squeeze it all in. And I think <laughs> we've probably touched on most of them with all of the characters because I think each one has a particular arc that one of us remembers really fondly. Um, like Zidane's little moment in Terra or Vivi's moment with the Black Mages or whatever. But um, I really... I'm struggling to think of a particular moment now that we haven't spoken about. Um, I suppose we've not really spoken about the bit in Alexandria. We have touched on it where I think it's the beginning of disc three or is it the end of disc two? I get muddled um, where you go back. This is I always forget you don't even completely explore the mist continent as of uh, end of disc one. No, you don't, do you? Uh, You have to... Second disc, you're on the fi- second continent, so they really squeeze a lot into the into the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. they really do. Um, 
but yeah alexander like the summoning of alexander basically so you go back with a really everyone reunites it's the time where all eight characters come back together and it's where i think freya and beatrix team up for a little bit to fight the monsters and then beatrix goes off with steiner to fight some more monsters and zidane's trying to rescue garnet and then they summon alexander and just so much stuff goes on i think they're two separate like story arcs as well but they're just so good and i think this game does cinema so well like that's well said yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it does everything so well like each end of disc set piece is really nice and the way it kind of brings you into it is like kind of uh going intermission at a play yeah where they tend to switch up the scene a bit yeah so the end of disc two is at the ether tree isn't it where um queen baron dies so kuja summons bahamut doesn't he and i think so we still have to talk about kuja too yeah we do need to talk about kuja let's talk about Uh, him now actually (laughs) i actually thought brain was a really cool kind of silly villain like she's a bit over the top but i still like that they give her her moment at the end too yeah she's Mm. very she's very much absorbed self-absorbed and she's easy to make fun of but mm. i mean i guess that was kind of the point she's horrible but she does have this moment where she's it's so hard like you spend so much of the game kind of laughing and hating her but then when she's dying on the beach and daggers sitting with her you do feel a little bit sorry for her because did she just I think lose Bibi her was way? watching too yeah, yeah Bibi has that kind of... little monologue yeah did, yeah did she which just... for a character like him who's kind of you know been given sort of a death sentence you know it kind of just makes that more real to him i guess and it's so heartbreaking it's horrible mm. um but yeah it's just so touching that scene where they're on the beach and it's horrible because you know was she led on was it her own grief what what was it exactly? Because everyone goes on about she changed when her husband died and mm. you have to think of maybe what, how much did Kuja do? And I mean, obviously Kuja was pulling her strings the entire time and was totally using her because that's what he does with a lot of people. Um, but yeah, she's a really... They never explain why she's blue. Please somebody explain why she's blue. And like, there's genuinely... I mean, obviously Garnet is not her real daughter, but... um. Amaranth's blue too, yeah, and yeah, and they just don't really answer that. Uh, that said, I do love the fact there are bird people in this game, and they just look hilarious in beautiful dresses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not given a race. They're just people who are birds. Just yep. birds. Uh, yeah, nobody really seems to fault the bird people. It's just, nah, they're part of society. Upper yeah, society, that's, lower that's, society. That's I love hippo people. Yes. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> they're the little so... kids. His name is Hippo. <laughs> 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 I mean... Um... But, yeah. but no, yeah. <laughs> um, Kuja, who has the best legs in the series. He does. <laughs> he has fantastic... has the best hair in the series. I mean, it's that, so silvery that's... and shiny. It's gorgeous. I actually like his aesthetic, yeah. And he's even got, like, the fancier white dragon. Like, it's not just a scaly green dragon, no. It's, like, some sort of feathery pretty thing. No. <laughs> he really absorbs... You know? He really absorbs the kind of, like... I say theatre villain, not like trying to demean him, but like he's so poetic. Like he quotes, "I want to be your canary," and he want he throws out <laughs> lots of poetry, and he's always like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'll close the curtains on you," kind of thing. He's so over dramatic. It's very much that foppish. But I guess that's archetype. what makes his kind of yeah. final moments that much more real. Is that it's not really out of character for him to react. No, exactly, and or to overreact. Like his overreaction is so mm. over, like so strong, yeah, so strong and completely the opposite. Like he's very much fabulous, for lack of a better word, and kind of 
prances around as if he owns the world and then he just completely loses it to find out that he is the the failed version or like the lesser version yes. of the angel of death second he's, place yeah he's second place and he's just like how am i worse off than that and he's and like just, instead of accepting it with grace like vivi does he instead decides to take it all with him yeah yeah so he, i actually find like comparisons between kuja and vivi and the way they decide to kind of go out is really interesting <laughs> yeah definitely he's so like Vivi wants to learn more about the world and is so open, whereas Kuja is so vapid and so like self-absorbed and vain. I can't that... have it. You can't have it. You exactly. Know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just throws all his toys out of the pram, which he does because he destroys an entire planet. So, you which know. I think is a lot more scarier and slightly more realistic than your standard like take over the world. Is that you mm. know like no? Some people just you know some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, but um, yeah. I mean, the only other villain that's done that is Kefka, but Kefka destroys the home world and becomes god. So, yeah. I mean, he's the. Uh, there's some comparisons. I like, because be... it doesn't really fake a lot of sympathy from Zidane. Like Kuja's no. evil, and he keeps it that way. But I love his final interaction with him. Oh, oh yes. so beautiful, so good. You know, which I think kind of solids in the fact that yeah, they they are still family. Yeah, it is what well, it was. Zidane's whole choice to go back, like. Yeah, Everybody's asking him why. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, I have to do this. You know? Yeah. If if he were in my shoes or if I were in his shoes, I might have done the same thing. Like, it's like, man, you really understand. Like, <laughs> why are you so nice? <laughs> yeah. I think Kuja's an underrated villain because people always talk about, I mean, I think he's had his um, kind of renaissance like the entire game, but people always go on about Kefka and Sephiroth and... I hate Sephiroth. <laughs> yeah, he's too pretty. I'm gonna say it right now. He's too pretty. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. Never mind. It's for another day. That's for another day. <laughs> but um, I do. <laughs> but I think Kuja is really, really well done, and he fits the entire tone of Nine really perfectly. I suppose so. Yeah, I think people need to pay him some more respect because he's not just kind of like swishy hair, fluffy dragons, feathery dragons. I just stuff. wish he was the actual final boss. Oh, yay. Woo, like, my favorite. My favorite tribe. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a like, lot of fun fan theories about Necron, but none of them really hold up. It's like, fine. It's, it's, it's like giants fa- basically out of nowhere. Yeah. It's, like the yeah. fa- it's like the Final Fantasy VIII death theory, but the, that one makes more sense. But, oh my god. Yeah, I remember the first time I did that. I didn't really think of anything at first. I just was playing it like little kid. I was like, oh yeah, final boss. And then Necron turned off. I was like, oh final boss and i was like eh. and then when i played it again i was like why like what 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 i feel like steven by the end prob- of the game though when you're doing like eight times reflect off vivi to yeah. cast a spell <laughs> yeah and then you're just like whatever <laughs> bring it yeah pretty much uh but i feel like steven would have something to say because i was talking to rob steinman a couple of weeks ago planning a feature for the site which was gonna also go up and he was like we should put something in about necron ter- popping up at the end as an honourable mention kind of thing. So, yeah. And he said, I just want to get a reaction out of Steven, so... Quotes Yoda yeah. for Pete's sakes, man. <laughs> he yeah, does. that's true. He Fear does leads quote to anger. anger leads... Hate, yeah. hate leads to suffering. It's like, okay, evil Yoda, thanks. That's like an <laughs> that's like a standard RPG quote now, isn't it? It's like in uh-huh. like so many different things. Uh, but yeah, other than not being the final boss, I mean, Trans Kuja is the best final boss out of that 
last two also, or three. His theme music is pretty oh. kicking. I yeah, love his yeah. theme. <laughs> we oh, man. will, we yeah, exactly. will rock you. <laughs> it is it's beautiful. Yeah, is that that's One a thing I didn't realize until like a second playthrough is that it makes uh, Zidane Zidane's uh, trance abilities that much more ominous than in hindsight. Mm, doesn't it really? Yeah. I yeah, because a lot of them are just very destructive attacks. You know, there's nothing really fancy to it. It's just a very one-shot kill-all kind of thing. Yeah, it's that's true. Stuff. His dines kind of come out of nowhere when you compare it to everybody else's um, trance abilities. You know? fancy outfit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh yeah, he goes kind of like total naked, doesn't he? He does. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Just covered in monkey hair. Oh yeah, yeah, Zidane, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just very hairy, which I don't know, kind of makes me picture other things. Creepy. So no. does Amaranth, weirdly enough, and I find that interesting. Amaranth's oh, trans. Weird. Yeah, it's very similar to Zidane's in a way. Uh, Freyness and Steiner's gets like a uh, like a, a complete face metal. Yeah. yeah. Amaranth just looks frightening. Like, it looks incredibly boss-like, almost. It's pretty cool. Um, Garnet's looks really nice, just because I hate the standard thing she wears in the game, that weird one-piece orange jumpsuit. Yeah. I don't really get it. <laughs> um, Kina looks like a even more bombastic chef. I love Kina. Yeah. I think it's, it's super cool. It's cook. Yeah, yeah. yeah to cook. <laughs> Not eat, cook. Um, Yeah. Aiko gets wings, doesn't she? And she also gets a yeah. more prominent horn. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she which, gets a more prominent horn. Which is ironic, because she doesn't... Her summons aren't as good, but... Never mind. Um, okay. Yeah, and we've also talked about uh, VB's pointy hat, which makes me very happy. But, yeah, since we're on the topic anyway, let's go on to the battle system, because, I mean, it's pretty... It's pretty classic Final Fantasy in this instance. Vanilla. It's vanilla Final Fantasy, um, I would say. Trance is a tiny bit annoying because you don't have much control over when it goes up and it takes forever to go up. So you don't have any control of when you can use it. And then I remember when I used the walkthrough to play this when I was a little kid, it was like, build up your trance before this boss. And I'd look at the meter and it'd be like right at the bottom. And I went, no, (laughs) why would I do that? Why would I waste my time when I could just use Dragon Crest on it kind of thing? Like... You know, um, but uh, you guys ever find a best party for yourselves? Um, um I always I noticed most dynamics seem to have worked. Yeah, really. I mean, most people go for the standard, the first four that you get. So, Zidane, Vivi, Steiner, Garnet. But I always go with Zidane, Vivi, Freya, and Aiko, just because mm-hmm. they're my four favorites. I think so, and they work. So, like, Aiko's the best white mage. Vivi's black magic, apart from when you do eight reflect of course um it does it kind of peaks too early so like he's really good early game and then when you yeah. get to the end of the game it kind of plateaus feels it's... like there's really nothing left for the character to kind of yeah. power up on yeah just, if you got an elemental weakness you're gold but that's it yeah exactly um and like his spells probably cap at like five or six thousand whereas freya if you do enough train excuse me if you do enough training with her um like i trained my ass off on grand dragons for a good four hours in the game Dragon Quest will always Crest. Will, that's Mike is coming into my brain. Dragon Crest, <laughs> Dragon Crest, Dragon Crest does nine 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 without fail every time. But yes. uh, 
I always found it easier to max out Kina's frogs. I don't know why I had a yeah. stupid amount of fun collecting frogs like some mindless idiot. <laughs> yeah, that is very easy to do as frogs. well. Um, but yeah, like every party works. That's the really good mm-hmm. thing about it. There's not many RPGs, like even six where you have 14 characters. Not every party always works. There are characters who yeah. do and don't work. And even though you have to make them work, it's like there's an alternative who's better but you just have to use them because it splits them into 12, four groups, yeah. three groups of four. But um, yeah, it's like the, one of the only RPGs where I can think that every dynamic works, apart from all the ones which level all your characters up outside of battle. But um, yeah. yeah, did you guys, I do, yeah? I'm sorry, as you say, I do think it is necessary to have at least one of the healers in your party though. Yeah, I mean, I, you can substitute Kina for probably um, True. Kina can do some stuff with it. I did find it really annoying that, like, unless a mage was healing or attacking, they did, like, nine damage with their staff. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I always thought, like, I always thought this game's battle, like, it's vanilla and it's completely harmless, but certain parts of it are just super annoying. Yeah, so one common complaint, and I didn't want to complain too much about the game, but which has been fixed as we noted at the beginning with the speed up is that the battle system's quite slow the ATB mm. bar is pretty slow it's never really bothered me too much I like playing games fast but I don't really have too much of a problem with the slowness the other thing which we already referred to and is probably my pet hate because I do this every playthrough is Zidane is the worst thief ever like uh. his steal rate is ridiculous and I think one monster... Is that like a way to balance out how strong he is? Because he is one of the stronger party members, right? As the lead yeah. character, but it's so annoying. <laughs> I, I never stole the third item from the, the hill gigas <gasps> or whatever. I was just about to say that. Everyone has yeah. the same problem. Item? Yeah, there's a third item. It's a flute, isn't it? Is it a flute? I, yeah, it's actually a really good item, but it, it literally took me an hour and a half before I gave up. Like, me I too. didn't even get it an hour and a half later. I was just like, this is so stupid. I wonder whether I might try it with the speed up now that I'm sort of slowly replaying the ps4 version but yeah it's painful like the ones i always try and get i always try and get one weapon and one armor and one i always try and get which is also a pain in the backside to get is off of arc and you can get the holy lance Uh, about five hours before you can buy it so freya's got Mm. like goes up from like having 40 attack to 75 i'm just like oh well she's done for a while don't have to buy anything (laughs) for her for a bit yeah but yeah he's yeah Arc does with... a lot of damage at that point in the game. Yeah, he really yeah. does, doesn't he? He's also a really weird summon. He's so... Yeah. It's like Transformers meets Xenogears summon. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fine. Don't think about it too hard. It's just cool. Yeah, it is cool. It's totally cool. <laughs> Generally, I loved how bombastic a lot of like that era of Final Fantasy final summons were. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, but... Yeah, I, they're the only two things that really bother me about it, but otherwise it's very vanilla. But I do like the ability system that the game has, and it's not too taxing. Like, I didn't yeah. like, I'm not a fan of the materia system from Seven too much, and the draw system is so easy to break. That yes. learning, abilities, <laughs> learning abilities off of weapons is a really nice, easy thing to do, and it means I can keep track mm-hmm. of everything. It keeps my brain nice and organized, and I appreciate that. Like There's definitely point. a few RPGs out there that just add way too much and it's just easy to get lost. So I do just like Final Fantasy IX just keeping it nice and basic. Yeah, you do get mm. some really... Everyone gets some unique abilities as well. So none of the mages can learn like Beast Killer, Mage Masher and things like that. Um, yeah. But like Zidane gets Protect Girls, obviously. Mm-hmm. Of course he does. And then the healers get Chemists, don't they? So they can like up items like they're... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think... Yeah, it all made sense in world and all that kind of stuff, so I always thought yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, I did really like the ability system. It's nice and simple. Um, but 
yeah i mean summons aren't particularly great in this game they're not like then i never used them but i did get to a point where in a playthrough i was i had enough mp to use a summon with garnet before i'd gotten to the stage where they'd halved so i think i had like 200 yeah. mp or 150 and was just like oh yeah if for it. yeah there's Go 80 on. yeah yeah so, I, one thing I did like it was the first game to introduce cut like shorter summons finally. Yeah. <laughs> like after seven and eight, as glorious as those summons were, it, it just became too much of the summon show whenever those things showed up. <laughs> yeah, you only get like, the extended uh, scene, don't uh, you, if you have a um, grand summon on. Grand summon, yeah. 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 Or you can turn. I thought it off. was a good choice. Yeah, it is a good choice. Um, but I do like that they use some of the classic ones as well. Um, so. I mean, they use all the classic ones. Like Gal Garnet gets the typical classics, apart from Atomos. Does she get Atomos? I think, which is yes, she, she does. does. Oh, like wow, that's pretty. Like I've never gotten Atomos to work though. <laughs> I always <laughs> miss. Yeah, I can't remember how to get it to work, but I don't really use the summons very often. I could get some of the more unusual ones, so she gets Medine, which is yeah. um, Madwin from. Is it Madwin in this game or Medine? I always get them it's confused a, with six. I think it's Medine in this game. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it is. Oh, so, yeah, it's referencing that one? It's Mog, yeah. It's one yeah. of them. Yeah. I mean, she gets that. Um, she also gets Ark. She gets Titan, and she gets... I remember Fenrir being all right. I think it was just a stats booster. I think so, yeah. No, and uh, that's Carbuncle. Carbuncle was the stats booster. Yeah. Fenrir oh, was all about the uh, earth damage. That's right. You generally never needed them, but they were good support. Yeah. It wasn't actually um, until this playthrough that I found out you can actually change uh, how Carbuncle boosts your party depending on did what you... accessory oh, Ico is yeah. wearing. Did you know Ico's that? Summons are I had no fun. idea. Oh my god. Ico's got some really interesting summon conditions, uh, but like generally they all vary depending on what you have in your party. Hang on. Yeah. Yeah, so if uh, you equip a diamond, it'll do diamond shield, which I think costs shell, maybe? I, I think it's like shell and protect. Possibly, but yeah. okay. So Fenrir is powered uh, powered up by the amount of sapphires in your stock. That's oh really? Uh, yes. Yeah. Learn something new every day. <laughs> uh, you can get more HP if you have a certain skill equipped with a uh, phoenix. If uh, if Aiko equips the diamond and summons diamond light, it'll also do vanish on your party. If Aiko equips an emerald, uh, then it also casts haste. If Aiko equips the moonstone, then uh, diamond or sorry, carbuncle does shell on you. Yeah. So yeah, Aikos are all kind of weirdly conditional to weird stuff in you. Mm. I like that. <laughs> it's very clever. I've never yeah. done it before. Or after. there's a lot of weird little things in this game. Like you can get a whole bunch of really high level items really early if you stick your nose to the side quest <laughs> yeah you can um which i want to move on to now definitely because this game has loads of side quests and in particular it's so, so many i mean there are obviously some of the mini games like tetra master's not as good as triple triad but it's okay substitute. Uh... yeah <laughs> i enjoyed playing i didn't it. focus any time on either of them oh no i like sorry them. All I'm going to say is one of them made it into Final Fantasy XIV and it wasn't Triple Triad. <laughs> they improved it. So. <laughs> oh, oh but... did you ever play Blackjack at the end of the game? What? Ooh. Yeah, yeah, after the credits roll, you can, you type in a certain command and you can actually play, I think, Blackjack. What? Or, or, uh, yeah. I remember I that. I didn't know about this. I remember that. I think that. it's the game of 21. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> 
Oh wow! Yeah, but uh, all- so you can race tall. You can do the stupid the the jump rope thing. Oh, oh my god! god. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I can only get one, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm horrible at jump rope. I will never um, see that trophy. On the I think I find it very funny that people have reacted in the way they have to the thousand. Oh, to the jump rope trophy. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you don't have to platinum everything, everybody. Right. Like, just have fun. Play but what you want. it's the temptation that's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I like to think devs put that in there just to, like, and they, like, laugh maniacally. Like, <laughs> you know? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. Um, so, obviously, one of my favourite side quests is the Mognet side quest, which is oh the most God. adorable side quest in the world. So, you get I to... look t- so cute there. They have a giant book that they throw down to save. Yeah, they have a little scribble. <laughs> um... They're little fluffy. They've got like really fluffy tufts. They're like the classic Moogle design and the design yes. I always still skin too. He's got like like camouflage attire on. He goes and travels. <laughs> I love Stiltskin. He's so cute. They're all so cute. I like the couple in one of them's in Gizmaluk's yeah. Gro- oh, yeah. in Gizmaluk's grotto where you have to mm-hmm. save the wife and then they have the babies. So when you go back and she's like, oh, it's like, oh. but yeah, Mognet is adorable. So you get to deliver mail for Moogle. Their letters and... are really cute to each other. Yeah. I love their little strop they have when they want mail. They're just like, oh, I want mail. <laughs> it's like, so cute. I just want a Moogle so badly. Um, <laughs> to, get, to get the full effect of this game, you definitely have to do it with girls, I think. So we can just freely squeal as much as we want when we get to this part. <laughs> yeah. But the side quest does have a reward in that you can carry on doing it. And you basically find out that there's something wrong with the postal system on an island. And I think you have to use, is it? something grease isn't it it's like gear grease or something uh, that's really good super slick yeah super slick and um yeah it basically fixes it i don't think you get anything particularly special out of it and i think by the time i finished it i already had the piece of equipment that i got i was like I it's a good many. rare piece but yeah, yeah mm. by that point you already had one but it's fun to give mail to moogles and also buy something off of stiltskin every time you see yes. him like it's it still was... all based around the uh choco hot cold because i think you can only get there with uh with chocoba help Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So it's still yeah, story which locked. leads to a whole bunch of other things, which leads to a whole bunch <laughs> of cool Chicago, Chicago related locations. Mm. But yeah, like, pretty it's... lagoon. <laughs> yes. So choke about hot and cold. I think I just every time I hear Balmo Alla de Flamenco, I always think uh. of choke about hot and cold. Not the <laughs> opening. Glad they found an excuse fight. to reuse that song too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it stresses me out a little bit though. So. Yeah. <laughs> you already know when the end is coming based on what point of the song it's at. Yeah, I'm like, uh. but yeah, I'm, I had a lot of fun with that. I like the idea. I just like every time he pecks, he just makes a different noise. I like quack, quack, quack. It's so good. Um, but there is um, I we... the weird dream sequences you get for that too. Every time you level up too, like you go to this yes. weird, like over the top spiritual place of Chocobo's dancing in front of you. Yeah, you get to go there eventually as well. It's great. <laughs> it's like what? It's a real place, Chubby Chocobos. I like <laughs> the way they. I like the way their beaks change color as well. I always thought that yeah. was really cute. I didn't yeah. notice that. I think they do anyway. It might not do for one of them, but. Pretty... Which is nice too, because Chocobo Hot Cold is a bit less intense than going through, you know, inbreeding Chocobos. <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> easier. Final Fantasy VII, so... Or like traveling the world map on Disc 4, which is really annoying on Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sure is. Um, but yeah, that was weird. We were speaking earlier, and I wanted to reference back to the speed up um, that the PS4 version gives you. So I was reading online that there's a way to get the mage, the Lord of Robes as early as the first Chocobo Forest in Lindblom. 
So, no. because when you Can speed you? up the game, the timer doesn't slow down, speed up even. Yep. It still stays at second increments, so you can easily peck twice the rate. So you're basically doing one minute twenties work in 60 seconds. And obviously the more levels your beat gets, you have to play yeah. it for hours. You have to play it for a good hour or two, I think, or three hours maybe. But yeah, you can get the Robe of Lords that easy. But why would I will that? say though, <laughs> That I your movement that. speed on Choco makes it a bit harder to get exact precision <laughs> when doing Choco. <laughs> yeah, really. So you do have to deal with that too. It's hard enough anyway. It's just like the amount of times that I've found a Chocograph piece and then it been on like 10 pecs and then the timer runs out. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> please. Oh, yeah, I've had some frustrations with that. Like major RSI. Um, but um, so... There are lots of really bizarre side quests dotted around everywhere, and I like that it's one of these games that doesn't make it very obvious. So you've got the stellar coins as well, which get you nice mm -hmm. little items, which are really, really nice. There's the coffee side. I always side. hate when you get to Brumessia and it's like, received cancer. <laughs> oh, it's... <laughs> yeah, bad timing. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's also a coffee side quest where you have to... Bring, oh yeah, the old man. Yeah, Morith in um, Dolly. We have to bring in the what coffee beans. I get from beans. that. I've never done it. I can't uh, remember. Miniature Prima Vista. And I think that's it. Yeah, there's a lot of side quests that don't really seem to go anywhere, but you get a kind of cool item, a little cool story, and that's that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which I think... That's like, that's the reward in itself. Yeah, I think so. Um... Yeah, there are like tons of side quests. They do like more character building than anything, which is really nice. And I don't think this is a side quest, but um... I really like the the Black Mage Village again, which I'm going back to, where you go there once and they find a chocobo egg and they start raising it and then you yeah. come back. Yeah. They call it Bobby. It's Bobby. Bobby, Bobby Corn Corwin. or something like that? Bobby Corn. Yeah, Bobby Corn. <laughs> is that a name for something or anything? Or is that just what they named it? Bobby I've Corn. heard it somewhere before and it's driving me nuts right now. <laughs> trying to figure it out. I, I mean, don't think I've... I don't remember it referring to anything, but someone's bound to correct me. Um, but something we talked about before starting the podcast is famously about four years ago now, there was a side quest that had been discovered in game that nobody had ever discovered before. So 13 years after the game released, there's a side, <laughs> which is amazing. That's how ingrained oh, and how love that kind of stuff that all how ingrained and deep this game is. Um, so basically at the beginning of disc four you can go to Zidane's hideout and there's a character wandering around if you, and then you go to another zone completely and every time you do something basically something new happens so you go back so many times you have to do something in memoria or you can go to a side quest a different character will be wondering where somebody else is all you get for it is a protect ring though yeah. <laughs> it's like I've already got four of these things like you can buy them but it was just just kind of proof that so much work went into this game to make everything tie in really well. It's so fantastically done, the side quests. I don't think there's one I particularly dislike because all of them are beneficial and all of them are worth it. Um, yeah. Even if you don't get it's the It's even reward. fun figuring out, like, Garnet's name, and I like that you got, like, Lonnie hanging around there. Yeah. Um, yes. But she won't stick around if she has somebody, if you have somebody in the party who, you know, she's kind of at odds with. <laughs> so either Amaranth or Freya, possibly. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, there were I, so many side quests in these games. We've just picked out a couple of them, but 
God, this game. Oh is yeah, so Doga and Una's Mirror or whatever. Oh, Una and oh, Doga. Yeah. yeah, and you get to listen yeah. to some of the music. Final Fantasy music. reference. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of references. Naming oh. way card. Yeah, oh, go on. Yeah. You can just go on all day with that kind of stuff. Yeah, Final well, Fantasy IX is fantastic. And I think even, like, one of the things I really love about the game um, is that even though it's the first Final Fantasy I played, it, like, still made me feel really nostalgic for a series that I'd never played. It was, like... Yeah. It made me feel connected to the whole entire art. And, I mean, Sakaguchi has gone on record of saying that this is his favourite Final Fantasy, so... Of course. Yeah. Why not? I agree, it's, yeah. It's it, you can tell the most amount of, uh, you know, heart... Like, to be cheesy, but heart and soul went into that one. But no, um, Keegan, you were going to say something about references. Yes. <laughs> Reference that I just discovered five seconds ago. Ooh. Bobby Corwin... When you take his name and take the first two letters of first and last, it's Boko, oh. aka the Chocobo from Final oh, Fantasy. It is. Of course it is. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Butts and Boko. Oh, um, oh like uh, the Warring Triad is uh, makes a cameo appearance in one of the dungeons. It's in um, Desert yeah. Palace, isn't it? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a statue of a lady and a st- and uh, and two uh, demons on the other side of her. There's yeah, of course a uh, yeah. Garland. AKA the main <laughs> villain for Final Fantasy One. Yeah, she was a, was a significant villain in Nine. I think that's actually a kind of cool twist too. Like they kind of made him a very traditional, you know, final boss until the kind of Kuja upstages him. Yeah, yeah. Isn't Pandemonium as well, which is um, the palace? Yeah. Isn't that a reference to Final Fantasy Two's final? Yes, yes, final it is. Final, yeah. Um, the music there's a slowed down version as well, I think. Um, Freya gets a weapon called Kane's Lance, which is obviously a reference yep. to Kane. I think she also gets the whale whisker, or one of the girls does, which is also a weapon somewhere else in the series. Um, I really love that name for some reason. <laughs> whale whisker's a lovely name. I'm trying to think of what it's in at the moment. That I'm. Um... There's something I saw it in recently. Uh, I might have just. Oh, it was Final Fantasy XII. Of course it was. Um, oh. It's a spear. Yeah. It's one of. Um, it's either a spear I, like... or a rod. I thought it was even nice seeing like Garnet dressed up as a white mage, and as as far as basic hiding gear goes, I thought that was cute. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. Um, <laughs> other ones off the top of my head, I can think of. Um, obviously, there's the famous "No Cloud Nor School Shahinderus. Yep. Um, yeah, that one's really cute. There's a sword, isn't there, in one of the weapon shops? Which ta- um, oh, Remu's yeah. story at the Pinnacle Rocks. Uh, it talks about a character from Final Fantasy II, I think. It does. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Really? I have to double check that one. <laughs> yeah. You don't um, realize how much has gone into it until you <laughs> go into it. Um, one of the ships is named the Invincible, which was, which was the name of another right. ship. Four, I think. Final Fantasy Four, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are touching so many of them, but there's so the many. The Hildegard kind of looks like the Lunar Whale. <laughs> yep, it does. <laughs> uh, the Antlion. Yeah, the antlion oh, enemy. Oh, the antlion enemy is good. Yeah, that almost ate Edward in Final Fantasy IV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, else? Nothing else is springing to mind at the moment, but there's so many. Oh um, yeah, one of the synthesis shops has like um, has like a tall, uh, medium, and a fat statue that looks like the Mega Sisters. Oh, oh my no. god, I miss them. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, wow. where was it? I think it's I think it's in the I think it's in Alexandria. Huh. Alexandria or Trenor, I forgot which. Might be Alexandria. Oh, the four-armed man. I, did, I don't know why I never connected oh. who that was at first. Gilgamesh. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the four-armed man and Gilgamesh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, it's just chock-a-block. It's like, it's a celebration. Really, it's ideal that we're doing this as the first episode for the celebration thing because Final Fantasy IX is a celebration of what mm-hmm. makes Final Fantasy IX so good. And in turn, yeah, and they did such a good job. Yeah, they have done a fantastic job. Because you brought up a I like that they got uh, some pretty cool secret bosses. Like, I thought Ozma, Ozma and Hades were a really cool idea. Yes. Ozma is evil. Ozma <laughs> is really hard. Um, Hades isn't I too love bad. the design, though. I think it's so interesting. It's the most bizarre thing ever, isn't it? It's, <clears throat> it's like a marble. Yeah. It's like a gobstopper or a marble. Like, I, I like the theater rhythm description. It's like, you know, what happened when you stared into nothing and just this kind of crazy cataclysmic array of colors instead happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's weirdly eerie. Yeah. Like... It's very bizarre. Um, Hades isn't too bad either. Um, I this... love his design. Yeah, it's really cool. His There's dialogue changes depending when you fight him. I'm told by Peter that apparently there is concept to say that Hades was meant to be the real final boss of the game. Yeah, I uh, mm-hmm. read that too because apparently um, Terra has a very much eye motive, similar yes. to what's like on Hades' throne. Oh. So I can kind of see how it would. I how I mean, hey, anything would be better than Necron, in my opinion. But... <laughs> there's yeah. one part of that I actually find really like kind of underlooked at is uh, there's a really cool scene when you arrive on Terra and you see the is it is it the Invincible that blue ship at the end? That you yeah, the Invincible yeah. Eye, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, you know, Garnet always thought it was this one giant, like, all-destroying eye, but really it was just the bottom of that ship that you're using to save the world in the end. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, the irony's not really lost on her. That eye is really creepy as well. (laughs) It looks like an eye, but when you see it up close, you realize it's not. It's just her young imagination not really knowing what else to call that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That always confused me, because, um... The FMV in Alexandria too, when uh, Bahamut gets stuck, it's yeah. an eye there too, kind of, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so it looks like an eye, but the fact is, it was just her kind of misremembering. It was actually just yeah. the bottom of the invisible turning red. Yeah. Um... Um, oh, Ragtime Mouse has uh, those cards in Final Fantasy X, which obviously wasn't released yet. <laughs> he does. So, yeah, you can see FF10 written on the cards, which I thought was really cute. That is cool. Huh. Hmm. So I like never completed all of his quests, I just didn't have enough luck to constantly encounter him i think you can reset it on disc four if you just go into a town and then go into a random forest he'll pop up there are certain forests he'll come up in i've done it a few times so i had him uh, a few times on vile island which i swear to god i'm never going to again <laughs> vile island is wonderful i just yeah yawns, yawns. are the worst thing were you, try- were you trying to get the friend ever- yan no not even that i, I love that you have to a little bit to- that too, right? <laughs> they really make you play with fire. <laughs> like, okay, uh, story time. Towards the end of the game, I kind of got lazy with grinding. So in the PS4 version, you can turn on um, 999 mode, where every hit, no matter who does it, <laughs> hits them for 9,999, which is ideal if you're late game grinding and you just don't want to deal with constantly getting killed. Even with that on... <laughs> <laughs> the yawns are still a nightmare because they just snort you away. I hate them. They're gone. You can't be revived. You have to they get it to my entire team once. You and have... I had to restart the whole. Oh, I'm sorry. I got a flashback. I think it's very appropriate that they made one of their toughest enemies look as adorable as it does. Yeah. I feel like it's almost a metaphor for the game. Yes. <laughs> Don't take it lightly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm no, sorry for yelling there. I was no, very it's fine. You have to get really lucky with Odin or death, don't you? And it's like the percentage of that happening is like none. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I avoid Vile Island as much as I can, but 
Yeah. Actually, the one side quest I didn't mention was the um, friendly animal side quest where you have to give them so many crystals or ores or anything like that. I love that. the music, too. It's <laughs> so cute. That's the same music that plays with the ragtime mouse music. Um, yeah. But... but it really sets the pace for the battle while it's loading, where it just kind of it lowers your expectations and kind of makes you feel it, take a breath. <laughs> I know, I remember, like, the, right. the, remember the first time I heard it, I was like, what is going on? And I was like, <laughs> oh. And they're like, give me an ore. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. A little off topic, but I love Final Fantasy VIII with the stupid UFO thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> Made you think of that. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean... There's a lot to decompress out of this game. There was really yeah. loads. Um, I mean, we've touched on a couple of sound, like some of the music before. I think um, Uematsu's actually said this was his favorite Final Fantasy soundtrack, which actually really surprises me because I really like the soundtrack a lot, and it was the first one I ever bought. It's not my favorite though. I there's some particular tracks that I really love from it, like Rose of May. I like um, I like Kuja's theme. I like uh, I think the piano tracks are really strong in this game. I mean, I a big I, I even love yeah Zorn and Thorn's theme for for that kind yes. of honky tonk bumbling, yeah. you know, idiot. <laughs> idiot villains yeah i like some of the weirder music as well so like um madane sari has got some really nice music that one's well. fun yeah yeah it um, sounds very you know kind of uh surreal and mysterious and ancient and then it does that kind of romantic french accordion yeah <laughs> uh the world map theme is pretty spectacular as well but you only hear it for like an hour like half of the game Final Fantasy likes to do that. They give you the really good world map theme and then they're like, mm. nope, have the really droll one um, for the other half. Um, but yeah, so, I, it's, sorry, go on. It, it, I thought it was like a lot less instrumental like, or like it was a lot more instrumental. You know, it wasn't very fleshed out, but at least there was a lot of tracks. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I nothing mean, really overstayed. A lot of it is based off of obviously melodies of life. There's that running motif that goes through the entire soundtrack, which Rose of May does, which Song of... Uh, feeling is it I think the song that Garnet yeah. sings and yeah. a lot of the game has that as its sole motif in the music uh, also Grand Cross is the strangest but coolest one of the coolest final boss themes ever like the yeah. creepy bit with the zombies groaning it's like alright mm. Necron, Necron's not a great final boss but that music is a pretty good final boss music it's similar to um, I forget what um Kind of reminds me of uh, like I guess same generation, but a lot of Final Fantasy VIII's final boss. Yeah, where that's it's just kind of big, kind of in, uh, yeah. alternative. The extreme. That's what I'm trying to think. Dream theatery, progressive rock. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. the same as the extreme because it has the slow beginning and then speeds up and then gets really intense. But yeah, I mean, Nine soundtrack is good, but it probably doesn't come into my. It maybe just sneaks into my top five, but probably five or six i would say out of the whole series there are it's a good showing for the entire series and the nods to previous games as well like mount galug and um the the, the theme i thought for... there was no track in that game that felt out of place so like even yeah. if they yeah. weren't as interesting everything always suited the occasion i had to play in i even like gargan Rue's kind of silly kind of dungeon theme <laughs> you know it sounds kind of buggy and icky you know yeah. but it kind of works because you're traveling on giant insects yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> Uh, Trenos, I think, is is just classic. Oh, I mm. love Trenos. It's great. Yeah, because it jazzy. suits it so much. That kind of late night life in the, I guess, what is it, the 1800s that the world is supposed to look like? Probably. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's very jazzy. Like, yeah, like seven, 18th century, 19th century jazz. If that was <laughs> yeah. a thing. Awesome. <laughs> Special shout out to uh, Steiner's theme, which I like to call the lazy trombone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. And just to hear that stupid metal clunking around, that. <laughs> and then he jumps up, which makes it clang even more. <laughs> I love that clang. It's one of you guys, my... I love Steiner so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's he's the one I would totally get a figure of for my curio for my <laughs> for my oh, gaming curio. Yeah. They need, they need to do more nine figures. It's always Zidane and um, VV, but never. Any of the others. It, yeah, that's why this game I think is still kind of considered forgotten. It feels like they don't really want to replicate some of those characters because it's not as chic as you know how Noctis and Lightning look these days. Mm, yeah, what? I don't want you know, chic. I want rat people. Yeah, <laughs> I would... I'm hoping that with the PS4 um, remaster though, maybe some new interest will be, you know, garnered in Final Fantasy IX. Yeah. So maybe we will see more stuff. Hopefully. I hope so as well. I'm glad that it's picked up steam in the last like five to ten years well five years maybe that it's been con- mm. reconsidered and everyone's sort of gone you know what this game is actually really important and it was it just came after final fantasy 7 which was like it came at such a weird God's time <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it yeah. came just before the ps2 era and then you know p- things were getting voice acted and thought nine wasn't doing that but then neither were a couple of other rpgs on the ps1 so you know but um I mean, has anyone got any last words before we kind of wrap up? And because we've really, we have waxed poetic about this game. <laughs> yes. We have literally gone all over the place. I'm in love with it. Yeah, I was gonna say, if you don't like this game, don't tune in. It's just gonna be us, like, just absolutely having a blast talking about it. Oh, Memoria yes. is a very pretty final dungeon. Memoria. It's anything so goes trippy. style is so lovely to look at memorial yeah you can see like the destruction and creation of like earth and life happening right in front of me and it's just such a trip yeah the trip between memoria and the crystal dungeon is weird that crystal dungeon is crazy trippy isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah memoria is definitely the prettiest final dungeon of the series and then you go into yeah. the inside of a whale for the next game so you know <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean I think we've pretty much kind of ex- not exhausted we haven't exhausted all off for nine I don't think but I think that's it's just going to be us yeah waxing about it anyways <laughs> yeah so. um, I think but... it really does a uh, say something though that between the three of us and I would say the hundreds of RPGs we've each played individually that we can still talk so much about this one specific game and still feel so much about it really yeah. speaks miles yeah yeah, I agree. It does nearly everything. Yeah, right. like there's there's faults in it, but like overall, I'm just so charmed by the characters' locations and you know the overall message that it tries to send home is that I can't hate it. No, mm-hmm. and it does pretty much everything right. I don't, other than a couple of technical issues, I don't really have that many problems with it. I've just realized. Oh, I like that Eco gets adopted by Sid and Hildy, and I forgot to talk <laughs> about Sid. I forgot to talk about he's Sid. He's an Oslop, just... and then a frog, and a monarch. Most importantly, but guac guac. She calls him dad. She calls him dad at the end. (laughs) (sighs) I think it's one of the first games to actually talk about a a cheating spouse, too. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I love that character arc. I love how it's just like, oh, yeah, um, so... And I think it's cute that in a Final Fantasy way, she... You know, instead of, like, running out and leaving, she casts a spell on him to turn him into an Oglock, yeah. you know? Like, and he lies about what's it. What's the ex-wife gonna do? Um, and he says at the beginning, oh, I just got turned into an Oglock by some 
person who stole my wife and then he's eventually mm. like no my wife did it it's like oh, okay yeah. <laughs> i do think hildy went back to him too easily yeah, you know yeah but there was a lot of content in the game same with like True. puck right it's like they just they put him in and he's out as quick as he came in oh did anybody else accidentally give the gimme cat a diamond because i did almost <laughs> ah, i'm an idiot <laughs> I was. They got no stranger offered me candy as a kid because I'd just be like, okay. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I did it. I did it on my first playthrough, but I haven't done it since. So I don't know why I trusted it. It looked like a thieving asshat. Oh my god, ending doesn't change. I love that it ends with a hug. The ending is poetic. You know, it starts with a play, ends with a play. Uh, You know. Yeah. I want them to get married. Yeah, we yeah. Haven't, we've not even talked about the ending, but yeah, it's just... I, I love that she kind of, like, hits him on the chest a little bit, yeah. Yeah, she hits him! He's she's... been gone for at least a few years. I know, yeah. like, Yuna and Renoa would never dare to do such a thing, but, you know, Zidane's just enough of a pain in the ass that it warranted it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before she just kind of cries and just so happy that he's back. Uh... Yeah, that is... I think it's a very good ending, and obviously, we you've touched on it in the podcast, Keegan, that... Phoebe obviously meets some kind of an end and it's so tragic, but there's tiny ones, so it's okay. Yes. Which I'm curious about, just from like an anatomical point of view. But hey, you know, <laughs> more Vivis, though I have a lot of questions. I always like the way female black mages looked in Final Fantasy Tactics, you know, so it's a shame they didn't give one with kind of raggedy long hair. Oh, that would have been so yeah. cool. But no. Yeah, this game's Good. This game is special, and I feel is... like we could extend this podcast two more hours, and we oh, can still yeah. keep talking. Definitely, I could. like that Ruby got left behind. Me know, too. Yeah, she just starts up a play down there, and you know, everybody forgot about her. It's so sad. She does write um, to you a few times, doesn't she? she so does. you get yeah. some magnet mail, and oh, I like. Right. How... I also like um, when you're trying to leave the the thieving band, right? And Baku has like a one final challenge for Zidane to prove himself okay out there. You know, and you take him down, and you know, then when he goes to give you that kind of friendly smack on the back, it really, really hurts Zidane. And he says, <laughs> yes. you know, oh, I threw all his punches until the last one. I like how. Ruby's uh, letters are written in her dialect. That was yeah. something that always amused me. So many me. accents in that game. They had fun with that. So many accents. So many races. So many everything. I never realize how jam packed nine is until I go and look at it, and I'm like, wow, there are so. It's actually stuff a lot of like even though the game doesn't have voice acting. It was really fun to kind of read everybody's accents. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it was really good. Um, but yeah, we could extend this podcast probably by another two hours, but. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I think this. I don't think we could have kicked off Final Fantasy Month in better podcast style, really, than talking about nine. Um, so unless anybody else has got any more, like, contributions, oh, no, or... I guess I'll stop. Yeah, <laughs> not nope, done. Don't but start I'll stop. Again. I'm not done either. I have to keep some decorum. Um, but no, this that will probably do us for episode 109 and the first episode for Final <laughs> Fantasy Month. Ooh. I know it's so fitting. <laughs> Uh, episode 109 for final fantasy 9 um so i'll skip over some details for the month so we're not actually doing a game journal month this month on retro encounter as i've mentioned at the beginning of the podcast we are doing four episodes on final fantasy related topics so we've got another game special which i believe is the first entry in the series possibly we've also got a film podcast coming up and i feel so sorry for keegan who's had to sit through all three of the films for this podcast so all right only <laughs> one of them made me want to die 
Okay. Oh, I, which I know one? Was, I know can one you give us a hint? I don't want to. Um, it's the one that isn't based on a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I watched it first and it made all the others magnificent. Yeah. All the other movies were so much As better compared to that one. you watch the Final Fantasy V based anime? Oh, God. I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> she gets a crystal in her butt. <laughs> Let that start the precedence. Oh, oh that's so good. Yeah. Uh, but no, they're not watching those. They're doing three films, probably the main two uh, Advent Children and Spirits Within. So definitely look forward yeah. to that one. We've also got a summary episode, which is basically going to be a combination of all our memories and experiences with the series. We've got Sight White features going up all month so please look on the front page for those or on the features section they are going to be jam-packed we are jam-packing the site for november so please come back to us all the time and read everything that we do we love you all um so obviously going forward for december breath of fire 4 is going to be our game of the month and i'm so excited to replay that game it's been so long <laughs> since i've played it i can't wait to go back to it so that will there's be no our... game that kind of feels like an old fable being told no. in that one yeah it's really really special um so look forward to that was coming in those two episodes are coming in december um so if you really say if you've enjoyed this episode if you're a regular listener if you're a new listener then please continue to listen to us you can leave us comments on the boards you can email us at retro at rpgfan.com you can review us on itunes google play absolutely anything you want as always we love five star reviews but we love any kind of comments so please keep it up we've got such a nice good strong fan base on this podcast we want to keep it going and keep it growing and keep getting you involved and we really really love to hear from you um but otherwise if you want to get in touch with us personally uh keegan where can we find you on social media and boards and things well, uh, if you uh, frequent the RPG fan boards, I'm Fozzie Bear on there. And if you're on Twitter, uh, my handle is Kaylee Brand. Uh, pop by, say hi to me. I talk a lot about video games, and I always love talking to people. Yay. Um, hey. Woo. Steph, where can we find you? Uh, I usually respond to you on social media. Uh, me and another guy, Nelson, we usually take care of that. But if you want to find me, I am on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr at Dice, at Dice SMS. So D-I-C-E-S-M-S. Nice. Nice. And Tumblr promoting there. Um, <laughs> if you want to find me, I am at Alana Hagues on Twitter. Or you can find me on the boards at Diving Falcons. Always willing to chat about things always up for talking about Final Fantasy. I've played 12 this year, playing 9. Skies I'm always ready to talk about Skies of Arcadia. That's the other game that was released on this day in America, like the same day that this game came out. It's so special. If I become like a millionaire producer, I promise you that'll be on my docket when I go see Sega about what to do next. <laughs> Hi, Sega. <laughs> yeah. Every time. It's becoming attached to me. I don't care. I want everyone to know about it. Um, but this has been Retro Encounter. We've had an amazing time talking about this game. Please look forward to more Final Fantasy episodes this month and we will speak to you again.